the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. You're very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. It is that time of the week when Tom Dunn joins us to talk about the week in music. And first up, we'll take a little listen to this. A man is in love How did I hear I heard him talk too much Whenever you're near Oh, a man is in love, of course, with the water boys. Why are we listening to that, Tom? man playing drums on that is a man called Noel Bridgman. And uh, he sadly passed away this week, Noel Bridgman, a much-loved Irish musician. And the outpouring of genuine affection for him speaks volumes. People like Mike Scott, Mary Black, the Hot Ass Flowers, many people coming out and saying how much he meant, not just as a musician in their band, but also as a, as a person. He seems to be an absolutely wonderful person. People talking about his passion and absolutely loving him. He started life in a band called Skid Row, which had Phil Linnett in it and Brush Shields. Many, uh, God, I think Phil must have been about 15 or 16 in that band. And Skid Row signed a deal, went to London, had a short career there. Then he came back, played in Granny's Intentions. And thereafter, he became kind of like a, a musician for hire and played to people like Christy Moore and the Waterboys and Sharon Shannon, Steve Earle, Van Morrison, The Coors, Paul Brady, Jackson Brown, pretty much everybody. And there's a lovely little clip of him going around called um, Noel in His Shed, where he talks about this point in his life where he decided he hadn't really paid his dues drumming-wise. He hadn't really worked hard enough at it, he felt. So he went off the shed, uh, soundproofed the shed, and started spending all day out there simply practising drumming quite like late in his life, well into his 30s, probably touching his 40s, and just saying that he hadn't really mastered it properly and, and he wanted to put the work in. So, um, But he talked about his love for it. And that was the most important thing in his life. And he would, he said he wouldn't, couldn't live with himself if he didn't give it absolutely everything he had. So he brought that kind of enthusiasm and, and professionalism into everything he did. And people, the, the outpouring of, of love for him, Mike Scott said, one of Dublin's greatest ever musicians, B.P. Fallon said, no, not only a great drummer, but a really beautiful man. You can sense that for him. People are, are shocked that he's gone mm. and, and really talk about him with such enormous warmth. So no Bridgman. He plays on so many records. You'll hear his music in so many different places. Um, he'll be remembered forever, and warmly so. Yeah, Noel Bridgman, uh, rest in peace. Uh, let's take a listen to some of your album of the week. Yeah, that was Knockout Artist by Cahill Coughlin. Tell me about it, Tom. Well, yeah, I know you're raving about um, Elton John during your show, but he is my Elton John, Paul <laughs> Coughlin. You know, he's my we genius. It's Elton my... John's birthday today. It's why we were <laughs> raving a little bit about him earlier. Yes. 74. 74. Um, and, and looking great on it. Fantastic head of hair. But Carl Coughlin, <laughs> right, for, for me, he's one of the geniuses of this world. And I was thinking about him this week. John Grant has a new single out. John Grant's a great artist. When he do, when we go back to normal, John will play Olympia-sized venues the world over. For me, Carl is a man who should be doing exactly the same thing. Came through Cork, was in UCC in Cork, formed a band down there with a guy called Sean O'Hagan. They signed to um, Rough Trade Records and then Virgin Records, released an album in Micro Disney called The Clock Comes Down the Stairs, which I still regard as the greatest Irish album of all time. He was in Fatima Mansions. They toured with U2. 
and uh, had a solo career thereafter. His career, I think, was re-energised by Get Back Together with Micro Disney in the National Concert Hall about three years ago. And since then, he's finished this solo album, his first in 10 years. It's on Damien O'Neill's label. He's uh, connected with the undertones, and it's vintage Colin Coughlin. It's, it's brilliant melodies, his beautiful voice, Scott Walker-type voice, and those caustic, highly intelligent lyrics that I absolutely love. He wrote about the Irish experience of being in England in the 80s, but it was that different Irish experience. It was that Irish experience of the college-educated Irish, the ones who went on to be great comedians or TV presenters or radio presenters, a whole different kettle of fish to what you associate with the Irish in the UK. And uh, I love him, and I'll fly a flag for him every chance I get, and if I can do anything to contribute to him becoming of an artist of the level of John Grant, who can play Olympia-sized venues the world over, then my work will be done. But uh, before we go on to, to live gigs, I want to mention Lana Del Rey as well. Oh, yes. I saw a, a headline yesterday, Lana Del Rey, and I saw the word chemtrails in it, and I thought, oh, God, not Lana. Why? What would chemtrails mean? Well, isn't chemtrails is, the, is like the contrails from those uh, jets, but they're, uh, you know... Um, passenger jets but really you know they're, they're full of all these things that are kind of dumbing us down and making us compl- it's kind of New World Order conspiracy theory stuff All uh, right, no no sadly I, I wasn't intelligent enough to get any of that um, it's just the name of a new album Chemtrails <laughs> over the country club and um, I just wanted to say because I didn't want to ignore her in the week of its release since uh, video games I think she has emerged as a really gifted songwriter her lyrics are brilliant and the songs are great and they draw you into this wonderful world that she paints a picture of Springsteen's on record as saying he thinks she's one of the best American songwriters and I would agree completely although I will say she is a magpie and a thief you will play a bit of one of her songs and you'll say, is that not Cinematic Orchestra? And you'll play a little bit of one of her other songs and say, is that not U2's one? She just does that thing. She delves in, she takes something very similar to what other people have. And then she writes her song kind of over it in a way. But she does it brilliantly. And I'm a huge fan of it. I don't think it takes away from either the original or her own work. They're both great. All right. Okay. Read into oh, that controversial, will. I know. Read into that oh, what yes. you will, uh, listener. Uh, let's take a quick listen to this. This is for the gig of the week, Tom. Why are we playing it? Yeah, I know. It's odd. Isn't that the most incredibly um, uplifting little piece of music? Ah, it is um, lovely, yeah. So, uh, just, he, Niall Rogers, obviously, with Chic. Um, he's done this thing. For anyone who's ever wanted to interview him, and sure, who hasn't? Well, now you can. He's produced what's been called the world's first voice interactive digital portrait. Basically, he spent two full long days in London studios where they filmed him recording the answers to 350 questions sent in by fans from all different angles. It's technology pioneered at the National Holocaust Centre, where they're trying to make survivor testimony both interactive and lasting. So now they've moved out of that and started going into the arts world. And he's the first one to be to be done in this. So if you go to here in the uh, now, sorry, here in the room dot com. You can watch it for free, but essentially it's an interactive thing where you can ask him any question and he'll respond to you. So that it's as close as we get to a live gig this week. So I just people who've done it are saying he appears to be listening to you. So he can be answering something to you and you'll say, oh, you mean like John Lennon? And he'll say, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so I'd find that it would no melt way. my head a little bit. Because he's yes. answered so many questions 
when they filmed it, it they, they reckon they've covered almost everything that he could be asked. Almost everything. Wow. Um, I think this is a brilliant thing. Cause I, I, I'm a huge fan of Elvis Costello, but I'm quite nervous interviewing him because he gets quite testy if you ask him questions that he feel he's answered already. And he will, re he will refer people to the internet. Oh, I've, I've answered that already. Why don't you just look up the answer on the internet, which, you know, it'd make you feel a bit terrified. Yeah. But this is getting over all that. This is like, do it once and for all, and they'll be there forever. And I think in a hundred years time, people will be able to look back on these geniuses of our wow. century. And talk to them. And ask them whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. Nile, what's, what's your second favorite color? Like really important yeah. questions like this. Yeah, something happens, Gigs. Have you been to many of them now? <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Before I let you go, then, what's your tip of the week? Yeah, this week is the first anniversary of Tim's listening parties. I don't know how much you know about this, but Tim Burgess uh, from the Charlatans about a few years ago had an idea to ask his hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers to put on one of their albums at nine o'clock all do it at the same time and then he would tweet out answers uh, if you asked him about the album so when covid kicked in he thought let's do it with somebody else's album so they picked franz ferdinand the first night and franz ferdinand said we'll answer questions from nine o'clock tonight listen to the album put it on now it was a huge hit a year later they've done over 730 albums the listening parties are huge paul mccartney has done one with them at this point and there's going to be a book about it uh, coming out before christmas i think Somebody said of them, when all this is over and we're free to go out again, it'll be worth staying in for the co for Tim's listening parties. They're, they're that good. And this weekend, he's doing two Ramones albums on um, Saturday night at 6 p.m. Says a lot that you can fit in two Ramones albums in one hour. <laughs> um, also, little little bit of breaking news. Glastonbury have applied for permission to do a two-day two gig in September. They're all the details we have at the moment, but... They apparently they had some other slot for, for a gig that also happens on the grounds. So something in Glastonbury in September. Watch this space. Wow, a bit of normality. Hey, before I let you go, you mentioned Elton John. Have you got a favourite track? I'd probably go one of the early stuff. Anything like Daniel or Rocket Man. I think the early 70s, that partnership with um, Daniel Topin was the, as close to Lennon McCartney as we got in the early 70s. It was sensational. And I read the autobiography of him as well. And... He tells those stories so well, those early playing in pubs, playing on, do you know he played on some of the early, those K-Tel records where it's not the real band, it's a, an impersonation of the band doing the hits of the day. And no it's actually way. Elton John singing no yeah, on some of them. Yes, and on some of them, he's impersonating, and I'm ready for this, he's impersonating black artists. He is Singing. not. No way. So you would yes. have got these, like these knockoffs, not knockoffs, but the K-Tel, like as in a, a, someone else yep. singing a version of the song, Black artist, some Motown artist. And it turns out all these years later, Elton John was doing it. Elton John. Amazing. Yes. That is Isn't brilliant. It? That's a great little tidbit. Tom, thanks a million. You're welcome. All right, we'll talk to you again. Same time next week. Tom Dunn there. With